Blog Talk Radio. Warning. You have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat. Uh, 
the thing about it, when we say nationality is the order of the day, and nationality is the order of the day, because we have to start identifying ourselves with nationalities instead of with uh, colors or complexions and adjectives. You cannot identify yourself. You can identify. I mean, you can uh, describe yourself, what you look like, by an adjective because an adjective describes does what it describes a noun, you know, and that's what we are as people. We are nouns, not adjectives. Most of you have been to school. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. My thing is, why are most most of our people are star are still calling themselves adjectives, even among the uh, the among the so-called conscious community and other uh, our people in these indigenous nation tribes or tribal nations. Uh, calling themselves black Indians, uh, black indigenous people. The indigenous people are black. You know, the aborigine, black aborigine people, black Indians, uh, black Native Americans, black Native American Indians. All of these are misnomers. None of these really have no true standing in law, no lawful standing. And the thing about it is, um, I don't know. Like you know, one one brother came to me and told me that he does so many lectures and talks so much and, and you know gave so many classes on this very subject, and he can't really see a dent in it. He can't see a dent that we get to our people. That our people are not still not really getting it. And this is why I a lot of things I. Uh, I guess you can call me being uh, somewhat redundant in what I do on this blog talk show, and that uh, because the reason why I'm being redundant because a lot of our people, most most of our people are not getting it, and uh, so I must keep trying and keep trying and keep trying till most of them get it. Put it put it this way, to at least about seventy to seventy five percent of them at least then that number get it. then I know we'll be on our way to rebuilding ourselves, our new nation. Um, a lot of people, uh, they still do not uh, seem to grasp the reality that they are not black people, that they are not African Americans and people of color. You know, you got a lot of agents out here, a lot of agents, you know, out here, you know, Still pushing that black thing, still pushing that African thing, you know, that most of us are not Africans. We are not Africans. We are the Aboriginal Indigenous Americans. And when you tell one of our people that, they'll look at you and all, like, what the devil is he talking about? You know, no, we are not Indians. They're the Indians talking about the people they always see on Western television, Western movies, and, you know, cowboy Western movies and, and the like, you know. 
and this is what they're thinking. This is they, they they think that they have been educated since they were uh, little children, you know, since they were infants, on up to their adulthood, that these are the true Aborigine, Indigenous, Autochthonous people of the Americas, and they are not. They came behind us. You know, for years and years and years, they have taught in our schools and, you know, even in movies, you know, that we have been kidnapped from Africa and put in on slave ships and packed down slave ships like sardines and um, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean for three to four months, you know. I mean, and those type of ships that they had in those days, that would be uh, almost impossible. It, it, not impossible, you know. I mean, there were some that were sh- shipped. They were some of us that were shipped and kidnapped and bondage and brought here, but nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near as much as many as they proclaim in a lot of these movies. A lot of these lies. That has been bestowed upon our people. Nowhere near as many. The vast, the vast, the vast majority of us was already here for hundreds of thousands of years, probably even longer, to the millions. You know, so, I mean, the oldest uh, human. fossil uh, is still uh, was found in South Africa. So as far as my concern, that is the oldest, that is the, still the cradle of all civilization. Until you find a fossil over here in the Americas that uh, supersedes that, then I take a look at uh, our history. For one thing, no one can trace our history. No one knows when we began. All they know, we were here long, long, long time ago before any other species or any other uh, so-called race of people or nation of people. Again, this is what I say. We got to start identifying ourselves by nations and nationalities and ethnic backgrounds. You know, you'll never hear uh, you'll never hear Mex- Mexicans talking about Mexico as a brown nation. You never hear uh, 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 Chinese, Korean, or Japanese or, or Vietnamese talking about the Black Vietnam. I mean, I'm sorry, Yellow Vietnam or Yellow China, Yellow Japan, Japan Yellow Korea. You never hear them say that. Why they do not say that? Because they know better. They know that's a, uh, another artificial social construct or a social artificial construct. They know that is. They know that is a fictitious term. They know that it's a legal fiction. They know this. And they don't identify themselves with their color. And neither should we. Times of... Uh, uh, just like the media has played a role big time, television, uh, schools, 
which uh, Minister Farrakhan called the killing fields, and that's what they are when it comes to our babies. You know, uh, they spread out lies, they teach lies. They don't bring out the best what's in you. They bring out the best what 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 they have and put into you. That is what they call the education. They educate you to build and to construct and to make uh, uh, work for them and not for ourselves. And that's why we are not, as a people, has never been taught to work for ourselves. We're not even taught to, uh, not even taught to even make any toilet paper to wipe our behinds when we use the restroom. We don't even make those for ourselves. Diapers, you know, pampers, none of that. So how can you ever be a nation? Talk about, you see a lot of sisters and brothers talking about the black nation black nationalists. Are you kidding me? There's no such place as there's no such people as a black nationalist. No such person as a black nationalist. They don't exist because no black nation exists. In order to be a black nation you have to have a black I want to be a black nationalist. You have to have a black nation. A black language. Have anyone ever heard of a black language? a black flag, a black constitution. I mean, is there really such a thing? No, there isn't. This is why everything, this is why uh, when we keep calling ourselves adjectives, a bunch of adjectives, we keep on telling the world we do not exist, telling the world that we are artificial people. Imagine buying an artificial plant and talking about you need to water it. Well, people will look at you like you look like you have lost your mind. Am I right or wrong? What would an artificial plant need but water? Same thing with black people. What do black people need with water? They don't exist. What do they need with rights? What do you need with civil rights? What do you need with human rights? You're not human. You're an artificial person. Therefore, accordingly, this is the way a lot of our people have been being treated through generation through generation through generation through generations. And our people still not getting it. They're still not getting it. Somebody want to ask, well, Europeans call themselves white. How come they're not artificial people? Because white is a status, like black is a status. These are statuses. They are not identities. There's no such people as white people, black people, red people, brown people. They do not exist. White means God. Ruler of the land is and have more of a meaning than the status of black. 
when we're talking about uh, uh, certain uh, things that uh, even Chief Nanya Shabuel, when we said that get right, he's not talking about being a color. He's not talking about being like the European. He's talking about your status as being white and your status, not you. That's not your identity, but your status is white. Now you become a white woman or you'll become a white man. No, you're going to be, you're going to, uh, your status is going to become white. Your status is going to mean God, ruler of the land. Black means death. Black is devoid of light and devoid of many other things. It's a dead color. I'm hoping that some a lot of you are getting it, whoever listened to the show tonight. Oh, I hope a lot of people need to listen to a lot of our shows. Uh, a lot of us, uh, Brother Dr. Eileen L. Bay, Sister Kadir L. Bay, uh, Taj Tariq Bay, Brother Abdullah L. Tariq Mosi Bay, Brother Sabir Bay, Brother Grand Sheik Nature L. Bay, and so on and so on and so on and so on. These are the kind of brothers and sisters that you need to listen to instead of Al Sharpton. I have nothing against uh, 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 Brother Umar Johnson. I have nothing against him at all. Saw Sudseti, you know, Brother uh, uh, Sarnetta. Dr. Reggie, Professor Larry, but these all brothers, these brothers, all they are doing is leading you down to the slaughter. And some of these brothers know that they are boys. They know they are boys. And these are not ignorant men. So what else can you say uh, what they own? They are on selling us out. They are agents. What is my proof? Well, they're too intelligent. That's my proof. They're not dumb, stupid men. Everything, a lot of us, uh, uh, Brother Aileen, Elbey, Tosh, everything, myself, different brothers like Sabir, all of us, different sisters like Queen Valera. Sister Yaffa Bay. A lot of things, a lot of us told these people. If they are so intelligent, what's their problem? They understand. You know, nobody uh, 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 is that stupid. I know you heard me many, 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 many times on the blog talk show with Arlene and even guests on our show. Come on. Now, what are some of our people scared, so scared of national, uh, national, uh, nationality for? 
well, what's so scary about it? I mean, every time some, uh, I or anybody else speak about nationality, our people tend to run for the hills. Or the, and these are real, intelligent, and enlightened people. But you say the conscious community, people you get pan-Africanists, you get people who are always uh, they're African. Trying to keep you telling you that you are from Africa. To disconnect you from the land here in America, which is your true land. That's what the game is about. I'm going to read to you from a, from a newspaper dealing with uh, social political issues. It's called the African News World. It says here that a media that we control, how much you want to bet. But anyway, here's something I want to read off to y'all. And as Bill, I know a lot of you heard about North Korea, how they're trying to be a belligerent nation and uh, aggressive and uh, trying to uh, be like their leaders, like an Adolf Hitler-type leader, dictator, whatever. You know, it says here, three big lies about North Korea. So here, lie number one, North Korea constantly threatens and provokes the United States. To truth every year, the United States carries out massive, fall eagle, and key resolve military exercise alongside South Korean forces that simulate the invasion of of the North. Label war games by the corporate media. Those these drills are understood for what they are by North Korea, also known as the Democratic. People's Republic of Korea, a menacing reminder that the United States could launch a war and destroy their country at any moment. This year, the U.S. military went even further and held a nuclear bombing drill where a U.S. strategic bomber flew right up to the border between North and South Korea as practice for a possible nuclear attack on the North. But you would never hear this on uh, mainstream media. You'll never hear this. The same way you would never hear that we are uh, the true Aboriginal, Indigenous, Autonomous people of the Americas. Because the people are told what to report and what not to report. Let me move along. Unlike the United States, North Korea has never launched a war of aggression against any country, and it hasn't. Some of you may say, yes, they did. They launched, they launched an aggression, uh, 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 an attack against South Korea, where Korea and North Korea are the same, is the same country. That was, that's a civil war between them but not another nation outside of Korea. So a lot of you, some of you people need to understand this. The United States claimed that the, that 
North Korea invaded South Korea in 1950, five years after the division of the country at the end of World War II. There was a civil war inside of Korea, similar to the civil war that was waged between North Vietnam and South Vietnam, which was also divided by great, by great powers at the end of World War II. The same way here in America, 1861 to 1865. The North and the South fought against each other. Am I right or wrong? But there's a lot of things about all of these wars that that we as a people has been lied to. So many years and so many generations. Like we've been lied to and mind control that we are black people. That being mind being mind control that we are being that we are African Americans. People of color. Just under a mind control system that got a lot of our people thinking that way. To assimilate to that kind of thinking. We move it along. The US military is by far the largest and most powerful in human history, but the North Korean military budget is smaller than the New York police departments. The notion that the Democratic uh, People's Korea is threatening the superpower United States is outrageous. Those of you that have an ounce of brain, don't you think that that's outrageous? And I'm talking to the people that's getting paranoid by this. By this mind control scheme. And here it is. Lie number two. Korea is a rogue state led by a madman who clings to nuclear weapons and refuses to negotiate. Okay. Here's the truth of the matter. The truth is, the Democratic People's Republic Korea suspended its nuclear weapons program in the 1990s as a direct consequence of a negotiated agreement with the United States. The United States failed to live up to its side of the agreement to provide substitute energy sources to replace North Korea's nuclear power program. The United States expected that the North Korean government would collapse following the implosion of its socialist allies in the USSR and elsewhere. The Democratic People's Republic of Korea ultimately decided to leave the nuclear non-proliferation treaty alone after George W. Bush in January 2002 declared North Korea, Iran, and Iraq an axis of evil, while the United States prepared to carry out an invasion of Iraq, what it did in the next 15 months. Okay? It was under those circumstances that the Democratic Republic of of People of North Korea decided to resource its nuclear weapons program. The Democratic People's Republic of Korea cites the example of what the United States and the Allies did both 
in Iraq and in the bordering of Libya. I mean, of the bombing of Libya. Sorry, excuse me. In 2011, and the overthrow of both governments as abolishing proof that it is folly for a targeted government to disarm itself in the face of the Pentagon war machine. The Democratic People uh, Republic of Korea is actually rationally and in self-defense, although you would never know it, it from the U.S. media. Hell no. Because they're, in the, they're not in the business of telling our people the truth. They're in the business of lying to our people and the people in general. They're not going to tell you how things really are. I was in, and was in the court yesterday with a brother, a dear friend of mine. We was in the court, and I was just, uh, I was just observing how they suck off the people. And most of these people were Europeans. There were a few of us in there, of course. But this time, these mostly were Europeans. And they were just sucking off them. Then you had this Mexican. All kind of charges against him. He had a $35,000 fine against him, even. But they dismissed him. You want to know why? Because he was not a U.S. employee of this country, meaning he was not a United States citizen. Therefore, they had no jurisdiction. They caught him with you know, a bunch of drug paraphernalia and drugs on him. You know, the judge asked him, "Are you planning on being a natural or naturalized citizen?" The Mexican told him, "No." Are you planning on being a uh, ever plan on a, a, a U.S. citizen at all? The Mexican said no. Everything the judge asked him, he said no. The judge said, okay, then, well, you discharged. My friend told me, he said, no, they usually don't say discharged. They usually say dismissed. Couldn't walk out of the court. This was my own eyes what I saw. This is why they come up with this uh, deporting a lot of Mexicans from America, from the uh, from the United States, deporting them back to Mexico, not letting no Muslims come here in this country from Syria and all other other so-called Muslim countries, all Muslim countries, I should say, because they cannot tax the Muslims because in Islam taxation, I mean taxation and interest. I mean, interest, I mean, they cannot put interest on their bonds. In Islam, putting interest on people is considered usury. They ain't, they ain't, they ain't studying about no, no damn terrorists. All this is folly. These are lies. Same thing with the Mexican people. They want to support them. Why? Because they cannot make money off of them. Like the case I just told you about. Can't go into their birth certificates, which is a bond. The bond set against you. 
They cannot find them. They cannot uh, uh, make money off of them like they do a lot of the people I was telling you about in these courtrooms that they're sucking off of. They are not U.S. citizens, and they've never been naturalized as to be a U.S. citizen, so they have to leave. They can't make money off of them. They ain't got nothing to do with no drugs, no terrorism. Got nothing to do with that. North Korea is a, uh, is a, uh, a half a country they, not, they cannot control. Who they cannot control, they want to wage war against, murder, assassin, assassinate their leaders. The uh, the, the the premier of, of North Korea winds up getting assassinated. Don't be too too surprised. Let me move along here. It was under those circumstances that the uh, Democratic People of the Republic of Korea decided to to resume its nuclear weapons program. The Democratic People of the Republic of Korea cites the example of what the United States and its allies did both in Iraq and in the bombing of Libya in 2011 and the overthrow of both governments as absolute proof that it is a folly for a targeted government to disarm itself in the face of the Pentagon war machine. Okay, the Democratic is the Democratic people. Uh, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea is actually rationally and self-defense. Although you would never know it from the U.S. media, the Democratic Republic of Korea has offered to suspend its nuclear weapons program and missile tests to exchange for a suspension or moratorium of U.S. war exercises that simulates an invasion and destruction of the country. The United States, under both Obama and Trump, has immediately refused this offer and continues the propaganda that the Democratic People's Republic of Korea is the provocateur. It's just like in Vietnam, in South Vietnam, the Tolkien Gulf incident, which was proven to be a lie. This is how, and the people will believe it. The bigger the lie, the more people are to believe it. And thousands upon thousands, even millions of people lose their lives. The War of 1812, I mean, not the War of 1812, but the, uh, the Spanish-American War, about the Spanish Navy blowing up the USS Maine. The truth is the USS Maine had a faulty baller, boiler in the boiler room and accidentally exploded. But nevertheless, the people in America believed it. That Spain blew up the ship. So there you had the Spanish-American War. You had World War One, where the Lusitania, they both had, the German U-boats both had sunk the Lusitania. But the Lusitania was not an American ship. It was a foreign ship of England, not the United States. They sunk the American ship. 
called the Lusitania was not American, but it had American personnel on it. So America went to war in 1917, Pearl Harbor. Uh, Japan had been delivered that automated message. It is two hours, two to three hours. Where did that letter go to? Who had it? Meanwhile, Pearl Harbor was being bombed, but they called it the Japanese sneak attack. They knew Japan was going to attack them. All your planes out on the runways. No aircraft carriers there to defend those islands. All your aircraft carriers are out at sea. Korea the same way. This is how the media controlled the minds of the people, and this is how the media controlled the minds of our Asiatic people, believing that the, making them believe that they're still black. The power of the black woman, the power of the black man, black consciousness, the black gods. black academia, black schools, black education being black being black in America black America no such things as none of these I mentioned no such things and then we wonder why we are being treated the way we are being treated because we are being in dishonor because we are dishonoring our ancestors, our foremothers and forefathers. You cannot then be in dishonor and by dishonoring your ancestors and expect you and expect other people across the world to respect us. Because they respect and they honor their ancestors. They don't dishonor their ancestors by calling themselves yellow, brown, red. They don't dishonor their ancestors like that. We call our ancestors our black ancestors. We don't have black ancestors. No such thing. We don't have black ancestors. No such thing as a black a black ancestor. Even so called white people don't call their ancestors uh our white ancestors. They call them our European or they may say our Irish or German ancestry or Russian ancestry, something like that. They say I'm German Irish, Irish American, Italian American, Polish American. They identify themselves with a nationality. Not a color. They'll say white for us when it comes to their birth certificates. They say, I'm a white man, I'm a white woman. They'll say that. But it really gets down to it. really gets down to it. Why, hell, you can't even call them European-American. You'll very, really hear a European calling him, him or herself a European-American. Why? Because that disconnects them from America. But calling themselves Irish, German-American, uh, Italian-American, and so on, so on, so on, et cetera, they're saying, still saying the same thing. 
or what they're they're telling you right up front when they say uh, I'm Irish American, Italian American, and so on and so on. They're telling you that I am <clears throat> descended of the Irish that came to immigrate to America. I am descendants of those uh, uh, Germans that came to America. So, so what they're saying is they are still disconnecting themselves from America, and which, in reality, they are not connected to America. They are connected to Europe, connected to Ireland. They are connected to Germany. They are connected to Poland. They are connected to France. They are connected to England. Okay, here's lie number three. The last, the last of the three lies. Okay, the Korean War has been over for more than 60 years. To the truth, the United States is technically still at war against the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. In 1953, the United States and the Democratic People's Republic of Korea signed an armistice agreement, not a peace treaty. That is essentially a long-term ceasefire that leaves the two sides technically still at war. Technically. Because the Korean War never really ended. But for those who didn't know, okay, I'm telling you right now, the Korean War never really ended. They signed an armistice. Same thing with World War One. When they signed an armistice at Vers- uh, uh, what they call the Versailles Treaty of 1919, they only left them open for a war for the next uh, 19 to 20 years later. That's what they were setting them up for World War Two. That's all they were setting them up for. A lot of top military generals know that that war went over. All it was it was continuance of the First World War. Let me go on here. Okay, this is essentially a long-term ceasefire that leaves the two sides technically still at war. A core demand shared by both anti-war activities the world over. And North Korea is for a peace treaty. But the U.S. government stubbornly refuses. Instead, it maintains a standing force of about 30,000 soldiers in the South. The last time the United States was invaded by a foreign power was the War of 1812. But for Korean for Koreans, the memory of war is is very fresh. Well, let's go into the War of 1812. Okay, the War of 1812 was actually uh, between, like, okay, between the United States Corporation trying to break away from the British British Crown. That was what it was about. You had the war uh, from, the, from the Moors. And the United States uh, Corporation 
between 1803 and 1815. Because some of the, but you were never, but our children would never be taught that in history classes in their schools. A movie would never be made about that. Since they, since the European bankers have all of the fiat or, or the or Federal Reserve notes, they would never put enough notes to make a movie about that or about the Moorish Empire in Europe that lasted for centuries, that lasted for seven centuries. They're never going to make a movie about that. They're never going to make a movie about the Haitian Revolt of the Haitian Moors, how they pitted Spain and England against each other to war against one another and fought for their independence. They're not going to make a movie about that. They'll never make a movie about Moors, about us calling ourselves Moors. Very few. You may see uh, certain movies like Martin Martin Lawrence and The Black Knight. You know, he came in there with his buffoonery. You know, but if you look at the movie very good, actually they were showing how much of a backward people they really were. What they actually were showing you. How the man dipped his hands into a bowl of peas and offered the Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence, no, that's all right, I'm good. They were showing you how backwards they were. He even showed them how to certain fight arts, how to fight their oppressors back. And this, and certain skills, how to do it. Even in Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves, with Morgan Freeman as the Moor, showed you the same thing. The telescope, how to birth, or how to give, uh, or how to help a woman give birth to a child. He had to show them that. If many people read that, I mean, will look at that movie, Robin Hood, The Prince of Thieves. If you haven't saw it, you need to see it. They dropped it on you. How we came to civilize them. Okay. Okay. The last time the United States was invaded by a foreign power in 1812. But for the Koreans, the memory of war is very fresh. During the Korean War, approximately 4 to 5 million Korean people lost their lives, and the North was entirely leveled. U.S. bomber pilots complained that there were simply no structures left to strike. The North had to be, had to be completely rebuilt from scratch after the end of the war. Okay, that's about the end of that. But this is what's been going on. Uh, the same thing, the media, I mean, it has, uh, uh, um, it is in big time, uh, 
brainwashing and, and the mind control uh, of, of the people, your educational system, your schools, uh, your churches, your religion. I know a lot of people go to church, and then, yeah, I know all that, you know, all this about uh, Jesus, you know, returning and the return of Jesus Christ and and so forth and so forth, you know. And a lot of uh, most of our people, we, you look at a lot of these religious programs, and you see that the, some of these churches, I mean, congregations, I mean, man, they be bigger some uh, bigger some baseball or football stadiums, full of our people as well. I mean, these are church congregations. I mean, they I mean by the millions. That's some serious mind control, isn't it? That's some serious mind control. You got um, most of our people are still uh, stuck on this um, Christian make-believe. Although I'm not speaking against Christianity, because if you really study Christian science, it'd be something that you would really like if you understand Christianity in this original form. Christianity really is, and it's not none of this what they're teaching the people now. I can tell you that in, in these churches. Once one brother told me, he said, uh, well, our people don't go to church because they've never really been to church. Meaning that they never really study any real Christianity or Christian science. Or would you say, like Islam, Sufism, Sufism is esoteric Islam. The Bible, the Bibliotech. The Holy Quran, the Sun Chronology, the Helio Bibliotech, meaning Sun Books, means Bible. I mean, all of these religious institutions are mind control institutions. They're dealing with mind control. That's why we, of the Moorish nation, the Great Seal, all our different indigenous nations over here, we don't deal with that 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 type of Islam. We don't deal with that Islam at all. The ones that don't deal with Islam they have their own religious practices that they practice. I have no, I don't have an issue with that. But a lot of these people that call themselves black indigenous people. Black Indians, they have to come to the to, uh, to the reality that they are not black. I mean, they are conscious one way, but they are not so conscious in another. You know, you have to come link yourself back with the family of nations, and the only way you can link your back with the family of nations, you have to proclaim your nationality. 
When I say it again, I say it again. Nationality is the order of the day. You're coming back into nationhood. You won't be calling yourself black no more. You'll be calling yourself whatever tribal nation you belong to. Me, myself, I'm a Washington Choctaw boy. I'm a Washington Choctaw man. I'm an Al-Moroccan man. I'm an Asiatic man, not a black Asiatic man. I am an Asiatic man. I'm not a black indigenous man. I'm an, I am an indigenous man. I am an aborigine, not a black aborigine, or not a black aboriginal. I am an aborigine. Period. Not a black Indian, not a black Native American. I'm an American. I'm an American. An American man. Same as Al Moroccan. Al Morocco and America are both, both synonymous terms. Amuru. Amur, Amuruka, Amurukan. You're saying the same thing. You're saying America, but you're saying it in its most ancient form. Mu, M-U means people of the land. More means people attached to the land. Who and more are both synonymous terms, identifying who we are as a people and as a nation, not a society, not a not a nickname. Get treated with a nickname. That a nation that has a nickname and using its nickname as a as part of the treaty doesn't work that way. My tribal nation is the United Washita de Damandia Moor Empire. Moor, M-U apostrophe U-R, Moor. It's ancient. So that shows our if it's declared as the oldest tribal nation on the, in the world, on the planet Earth, if it is declared by the United Nations, the United Nations number is 215-93. We have a seat in the United Nations. We are recognized by 144 nations. The oldest group of people, we are the oldest group of people which supersedes any group or indigenous group of people in Africa, here in the Americas, Australia, and New Zealand. And you know these Europeans ain't going to give Asiatic people nothing. But I'll find any archaeological evidence that we are not such. You better, you better believe it. They search and look for every nook and cranny. But they could not find one. And anybody wants to say that Washita Moors are not indigenous to America, check your congressional records. 
United Nations number 215 slash 93. There's more than proof that we are the oldest group of people on the planet. You will have people refute this on YouTube and say that we're not. Of course they're not. Proof do you have that we're not? Where's your proof? Prove me or disapprove me if you can. That's what I say. You've got to do more than just say it. I'm going to read some things here from Othello's Children in the West. Uh, the Moorish History and Identity in the African American Experience by Jose B. Pimienta Bay, Ph.D. I hope a lot of you get this book. It's called Othello's Children in the New World. By Jose Pimienta Bay. Get this book. It's a must in your library. Okay. It says here, Chapter One: Induction. I mean, introduction. It has been my experience that both Americans only seem to, to know of Moors within the context of the great Shakespearean play Othello, knowing, as I do, of the profound impact of uh, Africa's Moors upon the Western world. It is a very telling that uh, so few educated citizens and residents know the historical legacy of the Moors. I also find it most telling that it is that 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 if such persons are familiar with Moors at all, it is only within the context of a fictional character created by a 16th century English playwright. Yet one argued that the Moors of Africa profoundly altered and influenced the courts of I mean, the course of Western European history more than any other non-European people. The Moors, who are classic, uh, classically associated in Western history with Spanish, represent African Muslim uh, Muslim peoples who once held control over the Iberian Peninsula for nearly 800 years. These Moors were, prom- were strongly influenced the culture of Western Europe, including Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, and even Britain. In the West, Scientific growth has much to do with the presence of the Moors, but it has been my experience that within the U.S. educational system, system, this historic legacy has largely been overlooked and ignored, and it has. Uh, you take, for instance, the word Moor itself. A lot of our people, uh, so-called scholars and um, uh, very enlightened people or people in the conscious community, community uh, the folks to be highly conscious, still don't understand the word more. They really don't know what the word more really is or what it really means, what the word defines. You can, for one instance, you can look at the Black Law Dictionary, fourth edition, 
And they tell you more means land. Land means more. They think it about more is pertaining to a certain group of so-called black people that once invaded Spain and 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 you know uh, another sub uh, uh, or any other. Uh, so-called group of black people that call themselves Moors, but that's not true. That is a that is, that is a false, complete falsehood. And anyone that tells you that the Moor means black, he doesn't know what the devil he is talking about. You don't know what the hell he's talking about. He or she don't. And when they say that more means in black, that tells me right then and there, they don't know. As I said it before, and many times in many lectures on Block Talk Show, I said it many times on the Block Talk Show, more means land. Land means more. What is a more? A more is a woman, man, or child that is, att- that is attached to the soil of the land, the waters, the rivers, the lakes, the ponds the oceans and the seas of the planet Earth. That is a moor. All these are synonymous terms. That does not mean that does not mean black. More is a noun. Black is an adjective. So more cannot mean black. Some of these people call me that uh, you heard the term blackamore. That's a description of what a more looks like. The more does not mean black person. I hope a lot of you get this. Okay, let me move along here. The reality of Shakespeare's influence might be wholly frustrating for the historian of Moorish history, as one might wish that a fictional work didn't hold such sway in shaping this society's historical memory. But in truth, other historians of the African world experience might actually be pleased. Othello is at least a noble figure, albeit tragic figure at that. There are worse images which Eurocentrists would create or envision in recounting the identity and significance of an African people such as the Moors. In addition, the fictional character of Othello and the play itself are actually found to contain several illuminating and important historical truths. William Shakespeare, the famed playwright of Britain, left in the world what many critics consider several literary and dramatic masterpieces. His plays have tamed and captivated audience for four centuries. And it has. I know, uh, know like William Shakespeare 
is also supposed to be uh, William Shakespeare. Actually, was supposed to be Francis Bacon's cipher, like uh, Benjamin uh, Banaka Bay, or uh, we can say Benjamin uh, Banaka Emmanuel Emmanuel Bay, which Prince Hall was supposed to be his cipher. His cipher was supposed to be Prince Hall, which Prince Hall was actually. Benjamin Banneker, or like we say in his uh, free appellation, uh, or his original, that's what Benjamin Banneker means. It means Benjamin Banaka. The origin of the word Banneker is Banaka. We have Benjamin Banaka Emmanuel Buali Bay. That's his free national name. Okay. Okay, move along here. Says here, I often place the terms west and western within quotes because it reminds us that it is largely constructed of, of a paradigm. Its primary elements include a geographic and historical focus upon Europe, an emphasis upon individualism versus communism, patriarchy, and Judeo-Christian religious focus, ancient cultural foundations trace primarily to Greece and Rome and capitalism as an economic system. In truth, aspects of these elements, which are labeled as Westerns, are in fact Eastern in origin. Jesus of Nazareth, for example. Hmm. Okay. Okay, uh, undoubtedly well-read and formed, undoubtedly well-read and well-informed for his day, Shakespeare worked, provides us with a predominant British worldview of that era, revealing how many Brits saw the world. Shakespeare worked, therefore, outlines and portrays for predominantly ment- mentality of his countrymen, and this is viable for the historian. It's an African-centered historian focusing upon Moorish history. I am particularly interested in Shakespeare's Othello. I find it to be the most historically illuminating of all his writings regarding African people. Yet it is not his only play to discuss African Moors. It says here, Aaron and Titus, Adronicus, and the Prince of Morocco, and the Merchant of Venus are additional examples of Moors and Shakespearean plays. But Othello is the only play which has a Moor in the central as the central character. Written sometimes around 1600, Othello is the tragic story of a Moorish man and his European Venetian wife. This man, Damona, this Damona, identified specifically as the Moor. Othello marries the beautiful young Italian woman while serving as a high military official of the Venetian city-state. But the sexual and racial jealousy of Othello's villainous Venetian acquaintances, Iago, motivates 
motivates Iago to uh, conspire against him. Lego creates, uh, Iago creates an elaborate scheme destined to convince the Moor that his wife, Desdemona, has been unfaithful. The ultimate result of, of, of Iago's diabolical intrigue and Othello's own internal weakness is the murder of Desdemona of the hands of her Moorish husband. Let me read this again. Because uh, a lot of us like to see ourselves as innocent and victims. But a lot of us are actually uh, things against ourselves and our own detriment. Let me read this again. Okay. Okay. It says here that the ultimate result of Iago's diabolical intrigue and Othello's own interest weakness Othello's own internal weakness. His own internal weakness. That was his real downfall. Okay. All right. Contained within Shakespeare's play are a number of important revolution revolutions which are relevant and helpful to the historians. First, the so-called fictional play posts that the African that the Africans' Moors served the governments of early Christian European nations. This is, in truth, a historical fact. Second, the play infers that European populists were familiar with marriages and other uh, unions between Europeans and Africans. This, too, is historically accurate. But perhaps the most important deduction is that Elizabethan Brits and presumably many other European people of that era clearly understood that Moors are phenotypically Africoid, or a so-called black people, as we shall see later. This is, fact that which, this is a fact which will become lost to future generations of Western Eurocentric lay persons, persons and academics. And that is true. That's what I just read to you. They're not going to teach that in, in, in classrooms, grade school, high school, colleges, universities. They are not going to teach that. Because they're in the business of dumbing you down. They're not going to in the business of telling me, telling you uh, about your people as a great people. Great inventors. That invented almost everything, civilizing other peoples across the world, bringing technology to other uh, other people across the world, educating every people across all other people across the world. They're not in the business of of telling you that. Okay. Says here, renowned Shakespearean scholar David 
bulletin suggests that Othello even appears as a kind of a Christ-like figure. Bebbington points out that Othello, as a Christian convert, makes his first appearance on stage in a scene where he is confronted by men who have to arrest him. Othello responds to immediately telling his his followers to sheathe the swords which they had drawn in his defense. Bevington regards this as sufficiently reminiscent of Christ's arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane to convey a fleeing comparison between Othello and, and the Christ God, whose charity and forbearance he seeks to emulate. Othello's blackness may be used in part as an emblem of fallen man, but so are we all fallen. In spite of such essentially favorable analogies with the person of Jesus, the Christ, the character of Othello, is more complex. The character, in fact, struggles with what many would consider as major personality flaws. For one thing, Shakespeare Othello is imbued with the temperament which succumbs to violent jealousy and extreme passiveness. Some may see this as a deliberate caricature of African Moorish men employed by Shakespearean for racist reasons. Othello's might interpret Othello, I mean, others might interpret Othello's jealousy as typical for any powerful man of that era placed in a similar situation. Another position is that this is simply Shakespearean style, and one can point to the various pathologies displayed in King Lear or Macbeth. Whatever the motivation, betrayal, self-doubt, and jealousy are prominent themes in driving the play Othello. Yeah, it tells the truth about how um, a lot of us can be deceived by lies over a lie. A lot of people got murdered and killed over a lie. Wars has been started over a lie. Over lies. And people, the bigger, like I said, the bigger the lies, people will believe it. Am I right or am I wrong? Okay. It says here, some critics point to parts of Othello's dialogue as actually revealing contempt for his own ethnicity, meaning blood. Critics such as Jane Carew attribute Othello's self-contempt to his lack of self-love and true self-knowledge, for Othello himself states that the motivation for his personal shortcomings were born of the vices of my blood. His conversion and acculturation into the Western European-centered Christian world had eventually fostered some contempt for his African Islamic lineage. Critics such as Arthur Kirsch have also pointed to Shakespeare's creation being played by self-hatred and altruism. 
Kirsch contends that Othello was an outsider unable to counter the dominant European culture's customary contempt for him. David Bebbington then adds Othello's jealousy stems from a profound suspicion that others cannot love him because he does not deem himself lovable. This could be I mean the character, talking about the character. And this is the problem with a lot of us. This story is actually talking about a lot of us. More period. If you really understand the Othello story. In short, Othello is essentially a character with low self-esteem who tries too hard to win the love of others. The result of his own self-destruction as well as the destruction of others who are innocent. It is clear to me that the fictional Othello actually expresses an important regarding the often destructive psychological effects of westernization, Eurocentric hegemony, hegemony upon African peoples, especially those living within the U.S. Guru brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly summarizes the significance of Shakespeare's Othello when he writes. Othello was an appointed African man. He was he was reliving the ancient legend. The further he was removed from the uh, the smell of his earth and the dreams of his people, the weaker, more confused, and vulnerable he became. This invisible general on the battlefield is therefore brought down by a tawdry intriguer, like Shakespearean, endowed with an inner ear. So for the winds of change blowing across the Renaissance Europe, Renaissance meaning uh, edu- uh, Renaissance meaning rebirth of education, uh, rebirth of learning. Actually, uh, they, uh, they never really learned until the Moors came to Europe. They learned from the Moors. That's the that's the true Renaissance of Europe. Okay. Okay, it says here, created through his Othello, an archetypical symbol of a noble African who will be tricked and brought low by a clever European trickster. Carew also draws an important analogy between Othello and Shakespeare's other fictional moors of the Merchant of Venus. Carew writes a cynic like the Prince of Morocco, what have said of him Othello, but he was too noble for his own good. Carew then continues, but apart from other considerations, Othello is also by, also the symbol of an uprooted man in a new age of ru- uh, ruthless, ruthless human beings, wanderers and adventurers. And Venus, his African person, his African person diffuses itself and becomes the subject of reminiscence. To attain the enthral disdemonia, the disdemona, he never once mentions the African mother who 
smothered him and ignoring his mother. He became a man with the sense of place, bereft of country, family, and clan. His final passionate outburst then is more an important rage against himself. He had tried to replace the loss of psychic roots and a psychic identity with his love for an ideal, and he had failed. Hmm. So what they're saying that he lost his identity by being over there so long in Europe, he had lost his identity. He had lost a sense of self. He had lost. He forgot who his mother was. He forgot that his mother was a Moor. He's a Moor. He forgot up. He forgot about who he is, and therefore he's been reduced to that, that level. of savagery because of what he has been reduced to. He forgot himself. He no longer knew himself. He no longer knew who he was. Fellow character. And whoever you, or one of you, whoever see the Shakespearean play in any play, think what had been said in this book. I think what I just been read, what I just read to you in this book, and study that movie or that play. Read, see the movie O, with Michael Pfeiffer and uh, uh, and uh, Michael Pfeiffer and uh, um, I forgot the young lady's name, uh, Julia Stiles, the young European actress uh, uh, woman's name. Now study that movie. Get the movie as a so-called uh, black and white interrelationship inter- inter- and stuff like that. Now don't don't just don't pay no attention to that nonsense. Just just pay attention to the story itself and study the character that Mikey that Michael Piper betrayed. His name was O. He was betraying Othello, the Moor. Okay. Okay. Literary critics like okay. I read it already. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm gonna read this. Okay. Literary critics like Kuru and Bevington said that it was too simply. It was not simply the individual actions of the scheming Iago, which failed Othello, but Othello's own self-contempt, I would agree, but we would, but we should not be too surprised by Othello's self-loathing. After all, his character is that of a foreign man enveloped by a society which predominant worldview did not have his best interest in, at heart. In fact, most of it, what we... Most of it, what we, uh, most of it, what he represented as a Moor, was anti, was anti-ethical, or uh, too pre- predominating Eurocentric interests of the time. 
Consequently, for Othello to fully fit in, he needed to remain ignorant of or consciously reject any deep structural knowledge of his own culture and its positive value. That's where he went wrong. So he, regarded those, he regarded those values. They try to take on the European values and try to fit into that and try to fit into that scenario. And forgot who he was. Therefore, he thought everybody was out to get him. There was a lot of lack of trust, even among his Italian wife. But she was loyal to him. Okay. Here we see the mind of Shakespeare depicting one likely representation of what a Moorish dignitary in such a position may have indeed thought and endured under such times and conditions. It is my assertion that this predominant theme of the cultural African wrestling with issues of self-hatred and alternation is also found in much of the Africa's ex- Africans' experience in the Western world in general and the U.S. in particular. Now, what I just told you a few minutes ago, okay? Sadly, much of Moore's America's most classic experience has been self-deprecating, a consequence of having endured the world's, I mean, the worst elements of Eurocentric hegemony. Historically, many European Americans questioned the very humanity of Africans in the interest of material gain and created an entire social political structure designed to enforce to perpetuate this dehumanizing of African peoples. The so-called black community is clearly in need of greater self-knowledge and a more defensible self-love. It should be known from the start that the perspective offered here is Moorish American. Such a perspective is born of the fact that much of my own worldview has been influenced by the Moorish by the Moorish Science Temples movement, a movement born in the United States during the first decade of the 20th century. My association with Moorish Science has helped to show me that in many profound ways, the African Ameri- so-called African-American community is representative of the fictional Othello. And that's what the Othello character represents, the so-called, or the, I would say, the Asiatic community here in America. Part of the reason why we kill up each other so much in our neighborhoods. Why are we? Why, 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 I mean, they're killing us so much, killing, killing each other so much, that make a lot of these policyholders that's ki- uh, killing our uh, our young brothers look like boy, boy scouts in comparison. This is an allegory. This is symbolic of us. That's the true Othello story. have so much jealousy and hatred among others, among each other. 
hypothetically speaking, most of us represent this as fun- his dysfunctional children, as what Othello, much of the <clears throat> so-called black American experience has been a tragedy in the tragedy of the so-called black or so-called Negro experience in America is directed is directed directly related to the lack of self-knowledge and self-love, which has predominated here for so long, hence the title of my work, Othello's Children in the New World. In addition, the notion that the hemisphere is new to African people is part of the great tragedy. The thing is, now I'm going to stop right here, the thing is, uh, the hemisphere and that this hemisphere is not new to African people, to African Moorish people. No, it is not. I have to correct that because we are the oldest people and inhabitants of this land. So how is it new to us? How the hell was it new? Is it new to us? What was new to our people is a lot of these European values that they bought here. That was new. That's what was new to our people. All these European culture, well, I wouldn't say culture. I'm going to say culture. But a lot of this stuff they bought over here, a lot of these diseases, all these venereal diseases, smallpox, top tribes, and that's our tribes of our people, but but their diseases. Because they did not take baths at the, in those days. They did not take care of their hygiene in those days. And they brought a lot of their sickness and diseases and famine over here. That was new. That was what was new. The hemisphere. We are this hemisphere. But we are attached people to this hemisphere. That is a more attached to the Western Hemisphere, to the Western, North, Central, and South Hemisphere, and its adjoining islands. We are these lands. Not to refute the writer in his book, but no. The, the, the hemisphere was not new to our people. If any people that the hemisphere was new to, it was the European people and other people that followed. Came behind us, uh, the Algonquin or the so-called Native American, and they had learned to adapt to the culture and they had took on our culture, our traditions, and our way of life. They have came, well, when they crossed the Barren Straits through Alaska, through Canada, they saw that we were here, that we were already here. That's why a lot of them cannot tell you who built the pyramids and the mounds in the Americas. 
we built them. There were those of them that would tell you that they did. They are lying to you. They are liars. You know, then there were some that would tell you the truth, that they had nothing to do with building these periods or these bounds. In these Americas, they will tell you the truth. But after them, and you have the Mexicans that are also that are that came behind us uh, after us, but also the true Americans as well. Well, they are what you call the amalgamated Moors. That's why it's a pity that you hear a lot of them being deported back to Mexico. Anybody should be deported, it should be the Europeans. They're the immigrants. Every time when you say, I'm Irish American, I'm Italian American, I'm Russian American, so forth and so forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me read along here. Okay. It says here we see the mind of a Shakespeare depict of Shakespeare depicting one likely representation of what a Moorish dignitary in such a position may have indeed thought and endured under such times and conditions. It is my assertion that this predominant theme of an accultured African wrestling with issues of safe hatred and alienation is also found in such of the African experience in the Western world in general and the U.S. in particular. Sadly, much of the African... Oh, no, no, I read this before. I'm sorry. Uh, in addition, the notion that this hemisphere is new, which is not new to African people, is a part of the general tragedy. The, the notion of the continent's new, newness is born of a European reference point which begins with Columbus. The fallacious notion of America's newness further contributes to the tragicness or tragic miss and understanding and ignorance held by many so-called African Americans. But if one dares or dares or cares to look, the evidence of America's ancient transcontinental relations relations with both African and Asian is great, and it demands that we reassess the dominant view that the African Moors' status here is post-Columbian and pre-Columbian by hundreds of thousands of years, pre-Columbian. For most of us, U.S. history, anyone who contend that the African presence in the Americas was pre-Columbian was largely labeled by the mainstream Western, Western, um, Hold on here. Western Academy as crazy or exceedingly radical. 
And this is very true today. Because they don't like the truth. They like lies. They will hide truth from you. They will never hide a lie from you. No. Okay. Yet, this has been an official Moorish Science Temple perspective since the organization's inception. Uh, ironically, the Moorish Science Temple's position actually defines an ally in the Church of Latter-day Saints. The Mormons. Well, the theology of Mormons actually maintains that people from the Afro-Asiatic Holy Lands, Egypt and Israel, have occupied the ancient Americas. The theological correlations which coexist between the two unlikely alike will be further noted in a subsequent chapter in the U.S., under the U.S., the so-called U.S. black ignorance about the historical past was clearly a prescription mandated by the enslavement system, chattel slaves, unbridled capitalist values, and Europe's culture and political hegemony have all worked to devalue uh, African people. The West intellectual tradition has been solely, has been south, a bit largely south, to present Africans as historically insignificant and exceeding inferior to European, particularly Africa's more dark complexion peoples. This has ensured the prevailing denigration of the African phenotype and the corruption and or avoidance of Africa's vast great historical legacy, the pigmentocracy which consequently emerged in the American invariably led to the African person's self-hatred, and thereby justified the wardship of so-called blacks under peoples of predominant European ancestry, as with the fictional Othello. So-called African-Americans have customarily judged themselves as the standards of the so-called white or European mainstream culture. This is all, this is Othello. Othello's about us as a people. Keep in keep in mind. Keep in mind this is allegor Othello was an allegory story. The story was allegorical and symbolic to we as a people. Told you earlier in, in the show, uh the uh, don't forget uh this month the twenty second and the twenty third and the twenty fourth. In North Carolina, they're giving a conference down there, and, and, and those of you that can afford to get uh, to go down and to experience this great, you know, uh, this great education and experience, uh, it would be a lifetime experience. I can tell you that. Uh, they have a lot of reiki healing, uh, martial arts demonstrations, uh, dealing with herb, uh, dealing with herbal medicine. Herbal medicine healing. Uh, you have uh, Dr. Eileen, Sister Kadira, uh, giving out lectures on law and civics and how to deal with courtrooms, uh, how to deal with uh, license, uh, deal with these courts that a lot of us deal with. That want to deal with those who who 
don't want to deal with these driver's license issues and tickets and things like that. Dr. Arlene himself has studied uh, civics and law, I think, for over 20 years, and he has got about at least about three or four, uh, if I'm not uh, understating that, he's got about three or four uh, brothers out of the penitentiaries. This is how sharp this brother is, dealing with law and dealing with civics. You know, teach you about uh, executive, executive letters. It teaches you about the UCCs. It teaches you how to use the UCCs without going to jail. There's nothing wrong with dealing with the UCCs. It's the abuse of using the UCCs that gets you in trouble. The abuse of them and not doing them correctly. They'll show you down there how to discharge debt. This is on the 22nd, the 23rd, and 24th of September. Down there in North Carolina. Like I said, those who can afford to get down there, get down there. Make plans. I've been down there twice myself, but I can't make it down there this trip due to uh, finances. But uh, next year in March, are doing the spring equinox, I will. But this year they're doing the autumn equinox or the fall equinox. Equinox in Greek means equal night, meaning when the darkness of the night equals the light of the day. That is the equinox. Okay? But come on down. If you have any questions, call his number, 910-364-9099. 910-364-9099. Say it again. 910-364-9099. And if you can't reach them, uh, uh, call me at my number. Uh, my number is the area code 314 Six four 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 two five. Area code three one four six four 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 two five. Again, three one four six four 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 two five. That's Brother Fahim El Bay. Okay. You can you you can if you can make it, come on down. All right. I'll guarantee you it will be a lifetime experience you'll never forget. Okay, here I am. <clears throat> In the U.S., so-called black ignorance about the historical past was clearly a prescription mandated by the enslavement system, chattel slavery, unbridled capitalist values of Europe. Oh, I'm reading read this again. Okay, capitalist values and on Europe's cultural and political hegemony have always worked to devalue African peoples. The worst intellectual tradition has largely sought to present Africans as historically insignificant and exceeding inferior to European opinions, particularly at Africa's more dark-complexioned peoples. This has ensured the prevailing denigration of the African phenotype and the corruption and avoidance of Africa's vast and great historical legacy. The pigmentocracy which consequently emerged in the Americas and variably led to the African person's self-hatred. 
that just that thereby justified the worship of so-called blacks under peoples of predominant European ancestry. As with the fictional Othello, uh, so-called African Americans have customarily judged themselves by the standards of the so-called white or Europeans mainstream culture. Very few organizations in the history in the history of the U.S. have sought to give African peoples in the Americas a historical reason to to love and embrace their Africanity. This would be especially true if one were referring to popular grassroots organizations. Few few groups have emphasized the need for so-called blacks to look back at their pre-U.S. Origin in order to better understand their true selves and to ameliorate their ameliorate the ameliorate their oppressed condition. Historically, the tendency among U.S. so-called blacks have been to to retreat into Christianity and theological Eurocentric Christian churches. This is most ironic, given the fact that for centuries American churches, more than often than not, validated their oppressive and even Bestial conditions from which so-called blacks sought to uh, sought refuge, and they do they seek refuge in them. Like I spoke to you earlier of the the whole of the so-called or what you can say the westernized mind control Christian institutions have on the minds of our people. You know, that's why a lot of people when they get national, a lot of our people when we get nationalized, um, you know, it's not about you exactly being a Muslim or Muslim or Christian or Jewish or Hebrew Israelite. It's about getting away everything that our slave masters has bestowed upon us. For those that were slaves, because all of us weren't slaves, all of us never—I mean, all of us never were slaves. I mean, some of us never were slaves. Let me rephrase that. Half of our people never were slaves. As I said before in other lectures, a lot of us own land, vast as not land. We were sovereigns. You know, we had lands, we had slaves, we had enslaved our own people and European people as well by the thousands. The reason why I'm saying that because they always tell you uh, we enslaved our own people. Yeah, that's true, but we enslaved them too. Matter of fact, we enslaved them first. Just putting out the true history out here. That's what that civil war was actually about. To do the rest, to, to, to get rid, to get rid of the rest of these sovereign states. Big sovereign. I'm not saying we are part of any uh, European right-wing sovereign movement. No, we are not. We are not sovereign citizens. No, we are not sovereign citizens. We are sovereign in nature. I'll get that straight out right now. 
Somebody who made me say, Brother Fahim Mel Bay talking about uh, we sovereign citizens. That's a damn lie. I ain't said no such thing. I ain't said no such damn thing. Okay? But that's what that civil war was all about. Because at one time we ruled the South. Our ancestors did. Again, that was that that's what that civil war was all about. Forget all that stuff they taught you in the history classes in these grade schools and high schools and some of these colleges. They're lies. Get the book First World Order by Dr. Asura Aleem Lutapaki El Bay. The First World Order by Dr. Asura Aleem Lutapaki El Bay. Get the book Moors and Masonry by Brother Abdullah El Talib Mosi Bay. Moors and Masonry by Brother Abdullah El Talib Mosi Bay. Those books. Read them and study them well. Get the book Othello's Children in the West, Othello's Children in the New World by Jose B. Pimienta Bay. Get a book, um, it's a small, like a pamphlet. It's called The Moorish Essence of Pensacola. The Moorish Essence of Pensacola. Talking about Pensacola, Florida. Another good, good book. Get the book, <clears throat> White Cargo. The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America by Don Jordan and Michael Wash. The book is called White Cargo, The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America by Don Jordan and Michael Wash. Get the book, They Were White and They Were Slaves by Michael A. Hoffman II. The book is They Were White and They Were Slaves by Michael A. Hoffman II. You can go to uh, J.A. Rogers' book, Nature Knows No Color Line, by J.A. Rogers. Nature Knows No Color Line, by J.A. Rogers. And also get the book called The Moorish Empire, uh, A Historical Epitome, by Budget Meekin. The Moorish Empire, a historical epitome by Budget Meekin. Get these books. Get the book Barbarian Cruelty. Barbarian Cruelty, an eyewitness account of the white slavery under the Moors by Francis Brooks. Another little pamphlet book. But a good book with a lot of information. Okay? Just putting out a few books out there. And uh, another good book you'll need to get also would be uh, Africa's Gift to America, also by J.A. Rogers. Africa's also by J.A. Rogers. Okay?
must, a must for your library. Here it deals with the Moorish origins of navigation to the Americas. The astronomy, the astronomy, astronomic tools of the Moors were the foundation of the early Moorish expeditions back to the West and European expedition to the Americas thereafter. Because you know we have made voyages, and since uh, the first human fossil was found in South Africa, was. Well, Three point billion, I can't remember. It was four point billion years ago? I can't remember uh, the years, but it's the oldest human fossil. And therefore, I have to say that uh, that that's where the family of nations began in the cradle of Africa and spread it out all over the planet Earth. So they're telling me I got 90 seconds, but I'm keeping on reading. Okay, uh, it says here the astronomic tools of the Moors were the foundations of early Moorish expeditions back to the West and European expeditions to the Americans to, to the Americas thereafter. Abdul Hassan Ali, Ibn Al Hussein, 871 to 8 to 957 Common Era, wrote in his book. Miro al-Dijahab wa-Madin al-Jawah, the metals of gold and quarries of jewels, that during the rule of the Muslim Caliph Abdullah ibn Muhammad, 888-912 to Common Era, a Moorish navigator from Cordova named uh, Kashba ibn Said ibn Aswad sailed from Delba. Uh, Palos in 889 Common Era crossed the Atlantic to reach an unknown territory in Marhula and return with treasures. <coughs> this were referred to as unknown territory in a large area, the ocean of darkness and fog in Masuda's map of the world. Furthermore, another Moorish navigator named Ibn Farouk sailed from Kadash to the Atlantic in February 999, Common Era, during the ring of Hashishan, in the year 976 to the year 10,000, Common Era, Abu Bakr, Ibn Umar al-Ghatiya, a Moorish historian, nar- narrated that Ibn Farouk landed in Gondo, what they call the Great Canary Islands today, visiting King Gnariga and continued westward where he saw and named two islands, Capraria and Plutana. He arrived back in Spain in May uh, 999, Common Era. Okay, it says here, the, Muslim, the famous Muslim geographer and cartographer Al-Sharif Al-Ajiz in the year 1099 to the year 1166, Common Era, wrote in his book, Nasha al Mashiach, Fi Atrak of Al Fak, excursion of the language, one is, I mean, excursion of the longing, one in crossing horizons, for a group of seafarers from North Africa sailed into the Sea of Darkness, Atlantic Ocean, from Lisbon or Portugal, in order to discover what was in, what was in it, and what extent 
were in its limits. These Moors finally reached an island that had people that had people and cultivation in on the fourth day. See, they're talking about us too. They met the rest of the Moors in this land. See, I'm gonna read this again. These Moors finally reached an island that had people and cultivation, and on the fourth day, a translator spoke to them in the Arabic language. In the Arabic language. They knew Arabic already. Shows you how long we've been here in these Americas. We are the Aborigine, indigenous, autonomous people of America. They are these. I mean, there are illustrations of Portuguese Moors in the New World diplomatically interfacing with indigenous Moors in Brazil. Therefore, it was the Moors who were the first Portuguese explorers and started the practice of intermarrying with the natives of the Americas and its islands, a practice that was emulated by later Portuguese explorers. We were in, we were already integrating with each other. You hear me? We were integrating with each other at that time. As we transferred back and forth, some of us were transferred from the Americas to the African nations and to Europe. Read the book called uh, America's Discovery of Europe. By, um, I can't think of the, uh, the guy's name. Read that book. It's, uh, the same man that wrote the book um, uh, Africans and Native Americans or Native Indians. I remember his name. Next, next time I remember his name and I bring it to you the next show. All right? Well, I'm getting ready to sound off. I hope a lot of you learned something here. Because I always do my best to try to drop good science and, you know, and trying to wake a lot of our people up. So as I say to you, Bawasamadakunda, which means peace family and peace of the other families of the world. Asia, Europe, Africa, and America. Bawasamadakunda. Peace. I'm out.